Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Let's get together again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in, buckle up, let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we'll take a look at cotton harvest progress. Of course, we lead the nation in harvest progress every year. We get started first to get half of the nation's crop out of the field right here in Texas. Very good crop conditions as we move through harvest this year, so we'll get an update from USDA's latest crop progress and condition report. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. With harvest of Texas High Plains cotton coming soon, a reminder for our farmers about plastic. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Livestock and pasture conditions, along with hay supplies, look quite good as autumn begins across the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cotton farmers are moving ahead with getting this year's crop out of the field. The latest USDA Crop Progress and Condition Report shows 9% of the U.S. crop has now been harvested. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says Texas is leading the way. Texas, the number one production state, also leads in cotton harvest progress on the 19th of September. 19% is the number. Five-year average is 17%. Some of that may be attributable to producers trying to get the crop out of harm's way in advance of Hurricane Nicholas, which hit the middle Texas coast. And there was some cotton that was ready to be harvested and probably was in advance of that storm. Texas saw an eight-point jump during the week ending September 19th in harvest progress. Rippey says U.S. cotton harvest progress is a couple of points behind the average pace, and that's probably due to wet, cloudy weather across the Delta and the Southeast. As a result, the U.S. cotton crop, less than half of the bowls are open on September 19th. The national number is 48%. That is five percentage points behind the five-year average and well behind last year's 56%. Now, there's an incredible difference in the progress of the crop across the country. Some of the southeastern states are particularly slow. Tennessee, for example, just 20% of the cotton bowls open on September 19th. The five-year average is 63%. Alabama also significantly behind schedule, 41 versus 70% on the bowls open. And then on the flip side, in California, where it has been a hot, dry summer, we see significantly above average progress. 70% of the cotton bowls open 
That's nearly double the five-year average pace of 36%. But although the crop is a bit slow in developing this year, condition ratings for the nation's cotton crop are holding up well. 64% of the crop rated good to excellent. That is no change from last week. 8% very poor to poor. That's a two-point increase. And that leaves this year's crop as we head into the tail end of the season much better than the 2020 cotton crop which was just 45% good to excellent and 27% very poor to poor. Here in Texas, our crop ratings aren't quite as good as those national numbers that Rippy just mentioned, but we're still looking at a very good crop compared to last year. 59% of the crop is rated good to excellent, 32% rated fair, with 9% rated poor to very poor. Texas Congressman Mike Cloud is asking the Farm Service Agency to hire enough workers to help overcome delays in processing farmers' USDA program and loan applications. Cloud is a member of the House Ag Committee. He says FSA offices need to be adequately staffed. Anyone working in our ag community throughout Texas and indeed even in the nation understands that dealing with the FSA in the last year and a half has been a big challenge. They've had reduced staffing levels and it's made their availability to farmers and ranchers a bit of a challenge getting done what they need to get done. And so it's not our first contact with them over the last year and a half, but uh, but again, sent them a, another letter highlighting the need to serve our, our ranchers and farmers better. Frankly, um, our ag community has continued to work throughout this pandemic, and we need to see the government that's supposed to support the people throughout our nation who are doing the hard work uh, to, to work just as hard. And so, you know, at a minimum, what we don't need from Washington is a one-size-fits-all approach across the nation for every FSA office and for them to at a minimum take a look at what's going on or to lead those authorities to localities to figure out how to work with what's going on in their community when it comes to COVID and situations. You know, we've all had to learn how to work in so many industries and how to deal with COVID. And certainly it's time for the uh, agencies that are supposed to serve the American people to step up and do the same. Congressman Cloud and other lawmakers also asked for a timeline on when local FSA offices will be fully reopened and for more information about the hiring process. USDA has announced the appointment of four new members to the American Lamb Board, including one Texan. The new members are Jimmy Parker of Alabama, Stephen Schreier of Minnesota, Andrew Allman of Colorado, and David Fisher of Sonora, Texas. Fisher runs a multi-species family ranch in southwest Texas, incorporating a balance of sheep, cattle, and goats. Each new board member will serve three-year terms beginning in January of 2022 and ending in January of 2025. The American Lamb Board has 13 directors, six producers, one seed stock producer, three feeders, and three first handlers. Congress authorized the American Lamb Board as an industry-funded research and promotion board to develop new markets and strengthen existing markets for U.S. lamb. As cotton harvest progresses across Texas, preventing plastic contamination should be a top priority for cotton producers. James Hunt has more from the High Plains. The round module wrap system for cotton has been a helpful innovation for farmers to use at harvest time, but Mark Brown with Plains Cotton Growers reminds farmers to do what they can to avoid 
plastic contamination. It is a big concern because currently the way things are at the classing office, you cannot reclass a bale once it's been classed as far as plastic contamination. And also there is a significant deduction if you have plastic in that bale. So that's going to be something that we really need to be careful of. Plains Cotton Growers is sponsoring a lot of research on ways that we can reduce this plastic contamination at the gin. But I know it also starts in the field as far as proper placement of these modules so that they're not on stalks that have been cut fairly short that punch holes in the bottom of the wrap. Another example is that these modules need to be put neatly in a place that the module truck driver can back up to them and load them without any real issues or real trouble. And that can reduce plastic contamination as well. Once again, that was Mark Brown of Plains Cotton Growers. On another note for our area farmers, plant disease can be a challenge during any growing season, but Texas A&M AgriLife plant pathologist Ken Obasa says the AgriLife Diagnostic Lab in Amarillo and his team are available if you have any concerns. Please reach out to us. We want to work with you. We want to help you. This is why we're here. We're here to serve you. And, you know, for most of the disease-related issues, this is not all gloom and doom. There are solutions, there are ways to tackle these things, and they pay off if you give it a shot. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The outlook for Texas livestock producers this fall is looking good, especially compared to last year. Tom Nicoletti has the story. According to the USDA's latest report, uh, livestock are reported to be in good condition and feeding on hay where pastures are dry in Texas. The pasture and range conditions are rated anywhere from poor to fair to good. And to talk more about the outlook for the fall is uh, Texas Farm Bureau Livestock Specialist Tracy Tomasic. And uh, Tracy, uh, what are you seeing as far as the autumn livestock conditions across the state of Texas? Well, Tom, this is a very busy and important time of year on farm and ranch acres all across the state. If you look at the drought monitor, as you just described, uh, things are in fairly good condition for the vast majority of the state. That doesn't mean there's not pockets where we could use some rain. However, all in all, we could be in much worse conditions at this stage of the game. So range and pasture conditions uh, for livestock, uh, whether it be cattle, sheep and goats, uh, horses grazing the countryside, uh, showing about 58% in good to fair crop condition, uh, whereas uh, about 38% poor to very poor, uh, excellent is 4%. So uh, that's the breakdown at this point. We're reaping the benefits of a very blessed summer. We had a lot of water uh, available across the state, and that allowed our pastures to recover, get into such a good condition for the most part the state compared to uh, to this time a year ago there was a lot of drought conditions a lot of hay cuttings uh, this uh, summer in uh, east texas in particular and and central texas so uh, certainly there'll be a lot uh, in the barn for the winter yes farmers and ranchers are building back up their hay supplies that were depleted back in the winter um, as a result of needing to feed through those really harsh conditions in in January and then again, especially in February. That is Texas Farm Bureau Livestock Specialist Tracy Tomasic. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Deer season is just around the corner and it looks like we're going to have a good one this fall in Texas. We'll take a look at that coming up after the break. And if you have a spring calving season, bulls should be pulled off the cows about this time of the year. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have a spring calving herd, now's the time to pull bulls off the cows. But Dr. Bob Judd says those bulls will still need some TLC in the offseason. After breeding season, you would like to not have to worry about the bulls until next spring. But maintaining the bulls does require some planning. Mark Johnson indicates at Drovers.com that the goals of maintaining the bulls in the offseason is to keep feed costs as low as possible, keep the bulls in moderate condition, minimize the chance of injuries, feed for continued growth of young bulls, and make sure bulls are fertile for the next breeding season. Mature bulls should be grouped together in the offseason, as should young bulls or bulls that are thin or need special care. It is also important to cull any old bulls or those that are crippled or have inferior genetics. Bulls should have access to a vitamin-mineral mix similar to the product the cows are on, and these bulls need access to enough forage to feed them about 2% of their body weight per day. For a 1,500-pound bull, that's about 30 pounds of forage a day in the form of grass or hay. The young bulls and those that need to gain weight after the breeding season need higher-quality pasture and supplements. Bulls should be vaccinated and dewormed on the same program as the cow herd, and all bulls should have breeding soundness exams performed after the breeding season. So if a bull is not fertile, you could cull them and not have to feed them over the winter. You will also want to do another breeding soundness exam before the bulls are turned out in the spring to make sure nothing has changed. The bulls need to be in good shape going into the spring breeding season as they will usually lose weight during the breeding season. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Lots of rain and good summer conditions should add up to a great Texas deer season this fall. Alan Kane is Whitetail Deer Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. We had really good conditions coming into mid to late spring and all the way into the summer and, and really pretty mild temperatures. And so that uh, set the stage for bucks to really maximize antler growth uh, over the summer and left the does in, in really good shape. And so they were expecting a big fawn crop this year. And so I expect hunting season to be full of excitement and uh, lots of opportunity out there for hunters. And we should see some great quality antlers this season with all the the good range conditions over the vast majority of the state throughout the summer you know the bucks had plenty of nutrition out there to help maximize that antler growth and so things are looking good so far folks have been sending in pictures from their trail cameras and um, people are pretty excited this year and kane says we're not expecting to see any detrimental effects this fall from february's winter storm yuri white-tailed deer are pretty resilient animals and they can handle these short-lived cold weather events that texas experienced unlike some of the exotic species out there like axis deer for example or black buck antelope which we saw some mortality events especially around that hill country area where those exotic species are really prevalent we had lots of reports of places that might lose 20 or 30 axis deer to that cold weather 
weather. And so those exotics are impacted, but the whitetails came through that relatively unaffected. Alan Kane, whitetail deer program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. We saw mostly higher trade in our agricultural markets on Wednesday. Cattle, cotton, corn, and wheat all moving higher. We'll take a closer look at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mostly positive day in the agricultural markets on Wednesday. We ended up closing higher in most all of our cattle contracts. We'll start with live cattle. October up 82 cents, 123.27. December live cattle up 75 at 128.55. The February up $1.12, 132.60. Feeder cattle finishing higher on all except the nearby September. It's a very lightly traded contract just about to go off the board. It was down a nickel, 154.80. The rest of the contracts higher with October up a dollar five, one fifty-seven sixty-seven. The November feeder contract up a dollar twenty-seven, one fifty-eight twenty-two. Cash fed cattle market picking up at the middle of the week on Wednesday. We saw cattle out in the country selling at mostly one twenty-four on a live basis here in Texas. As you move north, we saw cattle top out at one twenty-seven up north. Dressed prices mostly at two hundred dollars. Boxed beef was lower on Wednesday. Choice down 242 at 308.95. Select down 41 cents, 277.60. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. How about a glass of iced tea and an auctioneer report? From Wayne Guys White, Gillespie Livestock, Fredericksburg. He sold them a week ago today. Wayne, how did last week's sale turn out for you and Sean? Probably ended with a little over 1,300. Cow market was steady, real active. You know, lots of cows bringing in the 70s up to 76 or 7. Uh, bulls up right on top of a dollar. Calf market was really, really uneven. Basically, the 500 down this week were about steady, but last week maybe just a tick better. And we were 600 up really, or a little bit softer. Saw some poor weight calves still bringing up over $2. Five weights up to right on top of 175. Six weights up to almost 160. Seven weight kind of backed off, kind of topped out at around 140 ish. And the heifer mates, uh, basically that thing was just about steady. Four weight heifers up to on the high 150s, maybe low 160s, five weights in the low 150s. Six weights kind of up to 135. Had a few replacement heifers weighing in the sevens, I'll bring up to 130. The planar cavalry, that time of year when they take a beating, there's something just not quite right. You know, they just won't bring a whole lot of dollars. Uh, 
and seems like we saw an awful lot of those cattle today. Uh, quality wasn't as good as I've been seeing. The good cattle market sure held up pretty good. What are your anticipations for next week? So I'm going to stay around that 12, 1400 like we've been running. Bring him to Gillespie Livestock. Wayne Guys White, tell everybody how to get a hold of you and Sean. We're at 830-997-4394. All right. Thank you. And, neighbor, that's how he sold them a week ago today. We'll tell you how he sold them today next week about this time. I'm Larry Marble. You've been listening to Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Now let's jump back over to the futures market where lean hogs close lower. October hogs down 52 cents, 83.85. The December down 22 at 73.37. Class 3 milk was lower. September milk down 6, 16.54, 100 weight, while October was down 4 at 17.38. The two big factors in the cotton and grain markets on Wednesday had to do with the recovery of the outside markets, the financial markets recovering from that big drop we had on Monday, and that has caused a lower U.S. dollar. So both of those factors helping to support cotton prices. October cotton up 65 points, 91.83. The December up 84 at 90.87. Those same two factors helped to boost corn prices on Wednesday. December corn up eight and a half at 5.25 and a half. September 22 corn up five and a quarter, 5.06 and a quarter. The financial recovery and lower dollar also helping the wheat market. Combine that with the fact that we're looking at very tight world wheat stocks and we've got higher prices. We'll start with hard wheat. December Kansas City wheat up 15 and a half, 706. The new crop July up 10 and three quarters, 709 and three quarters. Soft wheat higher as well. July Chicago wheat up 11 and a half at 704 a bushel. November rough rice was up three and a half, 1388 a hundredweight. November soybeans up eight and three quarters, 1282 and three quarters. October soybean meal unchanged. 337.90 a ton. In the energy markets, October natural gas was down two at 477. November crude oil up a dollar fifty, 71.99 a barrel. And as we've already mentioned, a fairly nice recovery in the financial markets over the last couple of days. The Dow up 460 at 34,380. The Nasdaq up 186, 14,932. The S&P up 55. 4,409. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. See you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.